Can you guys, can you hear me? Is that, uh, yeah. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this workshop on campus ministry. So uh, it's good to see you all here. My name's Aaron Friesen. I am an associate pastor down at U in Eugene, Oregon, or up in Eugene, Oregon, from where we are here um, at Eugene Faith Center. We have a longstanding college ministry associated with Eugene Faith Center called the Onyx House. It's a residential community on the University of Oregon campus, and so I lead that that ministry, and um, it's a privilege to do that. Uh, I just want to open up in, in prayer and then introduce our um, uh, speaker uh, who's going to lead this session for us, okay? Uh, Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for um, gathering us here in this place, and I thank you for the people here who are um, focused in their heart and mind on reaching college uh, students, Lord, at a transitional time of life. Um, where they're finding um, their faith and, and making it their own in life. Lord, I know your heart is for, for students to find you in the midst of, of that time of life. And so I thank you so much for the group gathered here. I pray as we focus our hearts and minds on reaching students on campuses that you would stir in our hearts and minds your heart and that you would lead us and guide us in this time, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So Brad Williams spoke last night. Um, and so you guys got a good introduction to him. Um, so he's a senior pastor of the um, church in Spokane, and they've uh, planted a church, I think, recently, which he talked about last night, close to a campus and seen significant growth there. And so I was just talking to the young adult pastor here as well. And so they've got a significant number of college young adult students up through, uh, you know, 29 years old, attending their church and getting discipled there. And so welcome Brad as he comes and shares with us. You guys found this place, which is, I think, a miracle in itself, right? Anybody that wants to do college ministry, you got to navigate weird campuses, right? And so this is like part of the test. If you could find this, you can do college ministry. But uh, um, I actually told somebody, I said, I think it's at the Waffle House across the highway. I think that's really where this is, so we can go over there. Uh, there are some seats down here down front in the upper right-hand side if you want to come down here. My right, your left. My right, your left. There you go. Yeah, that's good. Um, they are recording this, and that's why this mic is here. I'm really uncomfortable with it, just so you know. I don't know what to do with it. I'm just going to walk around it this whole time. I'll do my Tim Keller impersonation. Um, uh, I just, I want to I share a few things. Uh, as Aaron mentioned, for, first of all, college ministry is, uh, has been a passion of mine. Uh, Jesus reached me when I was in college. So I was a college athlete and uh, was a really good swimmer. I was top 50 in the world when I was 19 years old. And um, I had achievement after achievement. And I, when I be, my freshman year, I became the number one swimmer in the Big West Conference. And I remember going to the, the aquatic center and uh, freshman year, and there was a posting of all the students, or all the athletes, and their rankings in our, in our division, or in our, yeah, in our conference, and my name was at the top of the list, and I went from seeing that, and I got in the pool, and I started swimming back and forth, and I just thought, is this all there is to life? Am I just going to go from achievement to achievement, and then wake up the next day, and feel no different than I did the day before, and I had been a state champion, I'd done all these different things, and now it was just like that one more thing, and so um, I went to my coach, who was a believer, and I wasn't attending a church. I wasn't doing anything. I'd grown up around the church, um, but I wasn't attending church. I was, I was drinking Michelob Light uh, a lot, and, and when you're a swimmer, you burn a lot of calories, and so that's basically what I was doing. I was just kind of drinking my way through my freshman year and, and racing and training and doing all the stuff that you do, and I went to my coach, and he just kind of gave me this real soft, like, well, and I, I just, I had this moment. I had this reconciliation with Jesus. I was like, I, I know I need you. I sat in my dorm room. I got on my knees, 
And I just prayed, and I just said, God, I need you. I don't know what I've done. I don't know, like, I just need you. And so it was that day that the Lord just met me in a very dynamic way. So I went to my coach, and I asked him. He goes, you know, there's just ups and downs in the Christian life, and you just went through a valley, and now you're going through, you know. It was like the most weak thing that he could have said. I needed him to say, come on, man. Like, why don't you come be a, a believing college athlete and lean into this? And he did nothing. And, uh, and so I quit swimming. I walked away from my full-ride scholarship, and I, I moved home to Arizona, and I enrolled in a Bible college that I called Reform School because um, I needed it. In fact, my dad just said, you know what, I'm going to pay for the next year of school because you just need to get your head screwed on straight. And, uh, and so then in college, that's when I just got this burden for college students. And so I, I started serving in my college ministry. Um, my college pastor was the one that um, started taking me on mission trips, started asking me to lead teams, started asking me to get, engage in different ways. And, uh, and then at some point, one day I remember sitting in the backyard, my college pastor looks at this college kid. I was a Latin American history major, plan on making tons of money um, with that degree. I just had my sights set on the millions, right? Uh, and and I, I, I'm, he's, I'm sitting in the backyard one day, and he goes, what are you going to do? And I said, I think I'm supposed to do college ministry. And so, like, the next thing then was, like, okay, well, I'm going to be an intern. And, uh, and so for me, college ministry, it's where, I, it's where Jesus reached me. It's where I started in ministry. Um, and then literally, uh, after taking a small little youth ministry job for a little while and doing an executive pastor thing, my wife and I came back and led the college ministry that I really came to Christ in. And uh, that thing exploded. And that's what led to me being a church planter was because people were like, well, if you can do that with college students, you could go plant a church. I was like, okay. I thought this was a church, and it really was a church. Um, so, so college ministry is just in my blood. And college students at that age, um, we all know this, but it, it was that point in time. We all make the most important decisions, life-lasting decisions that we could possibly make. And so um, it's just always been there for me. But then at the same time, you go through these ebbs and flows of leading in a local church, and, and we went through years of, like, not, not being around college students. And so I'm just going to tell a little bit today about kind of what, why we got where we got right now as a church. And then I'll talk a little bit about what we're doing so that you kind of know the practical ways that we're doing it. Because we are doing it as a local church. We're not a college-based college ministry. We are a local church that's reaching college students. And, uh, and then I'm going to talk about our values and how we do what we do. Because I think part of how we do what we do is why we're effective with college students. Um, let me start by saying this. I have two college-age children. Uh, one of them is married. Uh, one of them is, uh, is a freshman, just finished her freshman year at, at Grand Canyon University in Phoenix. And then the other, uh, my third child, uh, she's a sophomore in high school. So I live in this generation. I live with these, these folks. And I'm just going to tell you that um, my girls have reached, and Seth, my young adults pastor, is here. He'll tell you this, and Missy's my girls' small group leader for years. Um, they... they will tell you that my girls have been very evangelistic. They've invited so many friends over the years to what we do. And, and, and so we have a house full of all these kids that have kind of come from all these families. Um, so how we got here, the first thing I want to start with is this. There is a revival happening in this generation. Um, I, have not, I have not ever seen anything like this, but there is a revival happening. There is a spiritual openness in people that are 25 and under right now. There is an openness to the gospel because, and this is what I tell parents all the time who are, don't understand where their kids are, where they are. I tell them because our kids now, they're reaching, they're reaching this sort of critical moment that took a lot of people, it took them until they were 24 or 30 years old to ever reach this point that we reached. They're doing that by 13 and 14 now. They see it all, they experience it all, 
And, and, and this is, I mean, I truly believe this is one of the roots of suicide in our nation, is that we've got kids that are going, I've seen it all, done it all, and there isn't anything worth living for on this planet. It took most of us to get to 25 or 20 or 30. We had responsibilities, and then we realized that. But these kids are realizing it early. And so I just think there's this awakening. There's this openness. They are hungry. Um, and we're witnessing this. And I say that not from like, oh, I'm observing it from a distance. We're in the middle of God doing something with this generation that's really dynamic. So, um, so we, I, I pastor this church that's, um, that is in a city where we have um, Gonzaga University. We have Whitworth University. We have a very significant Washington State University extension campus. 20 miles away, we have Eastern, or 20 minutes away, we have Eastern Washington University. We have Whitworth University. Um, we have, go Bucks. we have, he's a, he's a buck. We have, uh, we have two fairly robust community colleges um, that also are in that, and, uh, and then one really lame Bible college. And, uh, <clears throat> and, and, uh, and so that's the, that's the environment that we live in. And so we, we I pastored this church, and we noticed probably, uh, probably a few years ago, we noticed we had a lot of college-age people starting to trickle in. Uh, we started noticing they started attending our church. And when I say a lot, it was like 10, because uh, 10 is a lot, as you know, right? You get 10 college students, you're like, wow, something's happened. God's on the move. There's 10 of them, right? <laughs> and, uh, and so we started noticing this. And um, what's really interesting is that simultaneously, I, I, we had this guy that was going to plant a church. In fact, now he's planting uh, in the fall. And he came to me and he said, man, I feel like you're not, like, I feel like if we were going to plant a church right now, you wouldn't be doing it where I want to go do it. And I said, no, man, I, I said, I'm going to be really honest. I think if we were going to plant a church, we, sh- we should be planting a church next to Gonzaga. And uh, Gonzaga University, for those of you that don't know, is a Catholic university. Um, has, have you, guys, you guys have heard of Gonzaga, right? You guys, it actually is a real school. Regardless of what, who's the guy, Jimmy Kimmel said it wasn't real. I don't know if you guys saw that. He said it's a fake school invented for the NCAA tournament, but it is real. Um, it's very Catholic. It's a Jesuit school, so kind of cool. has some cool values because it's Jesuit. Um, but the students there are like, that doesn't mean anything, right? They're just coming from all over the place. And, uh, and so we just had this passion and said, let's plant. Let's, we, we need to do something next to that. Nothing happened with that for a while until the story I told you last night, um, that there was this moment when it was like, we need to do something, and we need to do it next to Gonzaga. It was like this breaking point. We've got to do this thing. And so we, um, we found a space that became available that is over a walking bridge, it's probably, in real terms, it's probably a quarter of a mile from the campus walking, from, the, from the, like the heart of campus. It's probably a quarter mile. Um, we found this space, and we just decided we're going we're gonna to promote this thing, and we're going to open it up. We're going to see what happens. And, um, and my heart behind that is obviously what I said earlier, the personal side of this. The other part of this is I see universities as the sending place. All these students come to us. We get to train them, influence them, and then they're going to scatter all over the world. And so it's just like, man, we've got to reach these. These Gonzaga students are influencers. That's one thing that school teaches them is you're an influencer. And we're thinking, well, if we can just get the gospel on board, wherever you're going to go with that influence, we're going to, we're going to help you do that. And so, um, so we planted this, this church. We planted this location of ours next to Gonzaga. And I think like the first Sunday we had four or 500 people, and I think 399 of them were college age. So very um, lucrative financially. <laughs> Uh, the money just started flowing in. We took an offering the first Sunday, and I don't know. Uh, it, was, it was legitimately, uh, we, didn't, we knew we're going to have to underwrite this. We knew this isn't going to make money for us. And so um, we planted this location. Now we're about 700 people in that location. And again, we run about, f- what we, Seth just said, about, we have about 600 people that are 25 and under um, that are attending Summit right now. And I would say two-thirds of those attend that location right there um, next to Gonzaga. Um, 
And now we're launching this other church we're launching, that first guy that wanted to plant um, a couple years ago. He's launching in Cheney, which is next to Eastern Washington University. And so now, like, the next logical step was let's do another one next to another campus. Um, Google is moving to our city, and everyone's like, why aren't you putting the church next to the new Google area where everybody's going to be living and moving and working? And we said, because we're reaching college students. And so we'd rather, like, make less money and reach the right people um, than do this thing that might just grow because Google came to town. And so, um, so we're, we're planting that one right now. Um, so that's a little bit of, of kind of how, we, how we've gotten to where we have at this point. Um, one of the interesting things is um, because of my athletic background, the Gonzaga Athletic Ministry invited me to speak. And so I, um, on an on a inconsistent basis, I drop in on the Gonzaga Athletic Ministry and hang out with those athletes. And also through that, this is one of the secrets to college ministry. If you get a starting basketball player on a Final Four team to attend your church, people will come. It helps a lot. It does help a lot. So um, it is kind of a joke, but athletes, it turns out that athletes um, were the heart of a lot of what athletes are searching. Um, Just so you know this, on college campuses, the athletes are the ones that are going, why am I doing this? In fact, every time I go to the athletic ministry, all the athletes come up to me and they're like, you're the only person that understands our plight. We have to keep doing our sport because it's paying the bills for me to be here and get my degree. And they are searching and they want something. And so our athletic ministries at Gonzaga, um, or athletic groups at Gonzaga are a significant part of our, of our ministries. Soccer team. The Gonzaga women's soccer team posts on Instagram all the time pictures of the team at church together, which is just crazy. I mean, the, the soccer team doing this thing. So... Um, so that's sort of, um, of how we got where we got. And uh, by the way, we'll do some Q&A at the end of this. Um, what we're doing, let me just give you a, de- a description. So basically we have Sunday morning services. That's like the most, like that for us, we've realized that college students, they want to be integrated in the church. They, they aren't, they are interested in being around other human beings that aren't in college. And so that is, um, in fact, some, some of them, they, they want to get away from their roommates. Like, how do, wait, invite your roommates. Like, no, this is, this is my place. This is my spot. Um, Seth leads our young adult ministries, which uh, started about, really about a year and a half ago, um, launched a, a young adults ministry that is every Tuesday night. It is not a church service. Uh, it is intended to be a church service. Sometimes there is some worship, sometimes there is some teaching, but there's small groups, there's um, some community stuff that they do. It's really just a secondary place. It's sort of the next step down on the discipleship pathway. Um, we also began doing what we call the Summit Leadership Collected Collective, which um, a lot of churches do internships, and what we recognized was we need to be, um, we need to be empowering leaders who are going to be doing everything. We need to create a sense of gospel ministry, no matter whether you're a doctor or a lawyer or a school teacher or whatever you're going to be. And so the Summit Leadership Collective is basically, um, we actually take the church planter content, some of our 101 church planter training on how to be missional and incarnational, and we're training um, college students. They, they sign up for this. It's... 10 weeks, and, uh, and so they go through this 10-week summer program that is basically them learning how to be gospel missionaries, no matter what they're doing. So it isn't just a ministry-oriented sort of thing. And then this fall, we're launching a residency for those that actually do want to do some sort of vocational ministry that's targeted at that, at that group. But um, those are some of the things that we're doing. Um, and I mentioned at the beginning of this that one of the things that I think is, is important to understand is how we do what we do. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about our values and, um, and kind of how we do things because I think this has been the reason for this sort of birth or explosion of, of college-age people. Um, first of all, we talk about this all the time, that we keep the gospel at the center. Um, if, if there's something that I know about this generation, it's that they do not want fluff. They want something real. They need something. They need a truth 
that is large enough for them to, to like, take hold of, but it's also tangible enough that they can live in it. You know what I'm saying? Like something that they, it's like, I can live. Let me, let me say it this way. It's large enough that they can live in it, right? It's like large enough, like there's this thing that I can live in, but it's also tangible enough that I can apply it to my life. And so the gospel is what we root that in. For us, it's always coming back to the gospel. This is the primary truth. And when I say the gospel, I'm talking about the shalom of God being delivered to all of humanity. Like I'm talking about like them understanding that God is about bringing flourishing to the world through you as a person who's been redeemed by the gospel. So not a truncated gospel, but a holistic shalom. There's something about that preaching that for them, they go, I, I can be in this. This is big enough that I can live in. This isn't just about me being right and my friend who's Muslim down the hall being wrong. This is, this is a vision that's big enough. So the gospel's at the center. Um, secondly, one of our biggest values is that skeptics are welcome. And so I preach. It's really interesting because I go back and forth between. I preach five times on a Sunday, and I go back and forth between our two locations. I show up at the middle of the service after it's already started. And uh, our, our one congregation is very different demographically than some of you. I walk into Summit U, and it's like, oh, man, here we go. Like, this room is just, just live, and it's so fun. And when I preach to that group in particular, I'm really sensitive to being welcome, welcoming to skeptics. And I openly say, hey, I know this is really – I'll say things all the time, like just – I know this is really difficult for us to, to wrestle with, and some of us, we ask questions about this. Like, I myself, I'm wrestling with this thing, and here's why I'm wrestling with it. Here's the tension. And so I just verbalize my own skepticism whenever I'm preaching because I want them to know it's okay to ask questions. So we just, we say all the time, we have permission to ask questions at Summit. This is a skeptic's welcome environment. And, and I frequently say, hey, not, not everybody in the room believes the same way. Some of us believe this. Some of us believe that. Just openly using that sort of language has created this sense of I could bring my friend to this, and they're not going to be offended because my pastor's screaming down their throats or whatever. So, um, so skeptics, welcome. The next one, um, we, we say we dig wells. We don't build fences. Um, I'll explain this one. This one, ironically, is taken from um, Australian cattle farming. Um, it's just this illustration that I read about, but it really began to define uh, who we are. And that's that um, we, years ago, Australian cattle ranchers, what I'm told is that they decided rather than building millions of miles of fence to keep their cattle in, they realized if they dug really deep wells and provided clean water, that the cattle would never stray very far. And so that's become an illustration for us that we dig wells of living water and we let people drink. We don't fence the well. So everybody gets to come and drink, and we're going to let Jesus do what Jesus can do. So you come and drink and, and just drink the living water, and we, we want everybody to come drink. And so we're not interested in saying who can drink and who can't. Does that make sense? So we dig wells. We don't build fences. It's just come experience the grace of Jesus no matter where you are. Um, Grant, our youth pastor who's in the back, uh, student ministries pastor, he frequently says you can belong before you believe. Um, that's language that we're using with our students all the time, just this idea that you can come drink the living water. Um, we also say this, this is one of our values, that we look at our church as a farmer's market, not a big box store. Um, a farmer's market, everybody gets to bring something and contribute. You're a participant, right? You can come sell, you can come participate. A big box store, you come and consume and you pull things away. And so we are inviting college students to come be a part of the farmer's market. You're a part of, you're a part of this organic thing and you are a contributing member of this, not just a consuming participant in this. Um, we, this is another big value of ours. We say that the, that the joy of the Lord, um, last time I checked, Jesus said it should be our strength. And so we are openly, like, we're just joyful. Like, we, we try to make people laugh in the first 30 minutes, for 30 seconds of everything we do. 
We want people to laugh. We want, college students are so heavy. They're so heavy. Just, and so for us, like, if we can get college students to laugh and chuckle, just like, the, and to see a room full of college students just all of a sudden burst into laughter, it's like this freeing thing. And so we really value joy, that we want them to come to a place where they get to experience the joy of the Lord because, to be honest with you, they're dealing with so many heavy things, social issues. That, you know, you guys know this. Like, especially, like, Gonzaga University likes to throw fuel on every, every social tension, and it becomes, like, this great debate, and everything's, like, life is so serious. And we want them to come and just, like, laugh. Like, there's a place where you can experience the joy of the Lord. Um, we, uh, we are city positive, and so we love our city. That's something we say all the time is, uh, there's a, someone started a, an Instagram account in Spokane called Spokane Doesn't Suck. I love that. Um, I, I think a lot of pastors need to, like, start a thing uh, for their cities like that, that your city doesn't suck. But uh, um, we're very city positive. And so because of that, we're also positive about its institutions. We say that we're positive about its people and its institutions. And so the institutions are the colleges. And so we're positive about those institutions. We see them as partners. We see them as places where we get to influence and be a part of. We're not opposed to them. So Gonzaga being a Catholic university, we want to partner with them in every way that we possibly can. And they consider us friends. They wrote, their, their publication recently wrote, they wrote an article about the launch of our church that was, you know, hundreds of yards away from their campus. They wrote an article for their students in their school publication about this evangelical Pentecostal church that's next to them. And it's just this really cool thing. So we just want to be city positive. Um, we emphasize missional living. That's a huge part. We're just always talking to everybody, including our students, that you live the gospel out outside the walls of the church, that, that, that you're going to live missionally. won't get too far into that one. Um, we, we talk about humility. Um, we know we don't know everything, and so we don't pretend to. And then kind of the last value that we embody for us is we don't fake it. Um, we try to be as real and transparent as we possibly can um, and without offending too many people. Um, uh, but we really do. We just try to, we just, we just want to, we don't fake it. We, we know who we are, and we're not trying to fake and be somebody that we're not. So those are some of our values. And, and so basically what we've just seen is living this out and, and just living life next to these campuses has created this, this outpouring. I, I can't, by the way, it's not all Gonzaga students that are coming to that. that. That being in that location has been convenient for Gonzaga students, but we have tons of Whitworth students. We have tons of community college We've reached a lot of people that are college age that aren't in college. Uh, a lot of those students that are the people that, part of why we do young adults ministry and not college ministry um, is just for those people that college isn't their thing. So we're trying to hit that demographic. So it's a demographic thing for us. I think that's all I'm going to talk about for just a minute. Janelle, is that enough for that moment? Can we go to Q&A? That would be great. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, what... Yeah. What, what am I telling? Well, why don't you talk a little bit about what we do for young adults, what oh, you yeah. provide, and kind of what we do specifically as that second step after the missional thing. Uh, so I was a youth pastor for four-ish years, four and a half years prior uh, to, to this role. But, to the mic, oh, my. This is nice, yes. Uh, and so I oversaw basically birth through 25, but we didn't have a ton of young adults. Uh, and I definitely grew up in the generation of church where it's just like, oh, drink the gross thing. It's going to be so fun. And, and, it, and I was in and whatever when I was that younger. Was yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's not Summit's youth. It's fine. Uh, and then I was in, so that was me growing up. And then I was in the military right out of high school, so I didn't do college right away. Um, and so my trajectory was a little, a little wonky. And so when I came on at Summit, I was just really burned out with that concept of, of ministry. It's like, we're not, 
we're not allowing Jesus to change people's lives. We're providing an experience so that we have a certain number of humans that show up every week. And I was like, if that's what we're going to do in ministry, like, I quit. I just, I have no desire to do that. Um, and I didn't really see it until I, I stepped into this role at Summit. I'd been frustrated previously and then coming here, Brad was like, yeah, man, right now they meet once a month. So, you know, whatever you guys want to do. I was like, oh, okay, I'll go do something that's not that then. Uh, and so we just created just kind of a space. And I know that's like weird churchy language, but the, the heart of it is just to create a space where we can be just authentic humans together. And it's like, we're going to come in and admit our mess and admit that we don't always understand what's going on. And we literally, we, we either preach exegetically through like a book of the Bible or teach a spiritual discipline. And we will spend months in a spiritual discipline. And it's crazy because we have, and we'll vary, right? Because it's a Tuesday night. We had to pick a night. It's like, well, Mondays are terrible because Mondays. It's like, well, Tuesdays, like Gonzaga, that's when their young life meets. Well, Wednesdays is when youth meets and there's leaders there. It's like, well, Thursdays is sports. So it's like, well, we're going to meet Tuesdays, and we would love to have you here. Uh, and so we, we meet every Tuesday, and we always have food. So two of the weeks, we do like a full meal with this uh, married couple who's part of So we go 18 to 29 with our young adults because that was part of, part of the thing is the shift in the mentality of this isn't just the next step of youth group. It's like, no, this is young adults, and we have crazy different things going on. So this married couple was coming, and I think they're maybe mid-20s, 23, 24. She was like, hey, would you ever let me cook? Because we were, you know, like cheese and cracker. I'm like, I don't know. Like, what do you guys want to eat, right? And, uh, and I was like, that would be amazing. So she, she comes in twice a month and cooks a full meal for them and, and then sits and eats. And so we do either round tables or like one long table and just eat dinner together. And it's super fun, and it's hilarious to watch because everybody comes in with their one friend and just sits, right? It's like, don't leave me. Like, this just be right here with me. Because the number one thing, I said, well, what do you guys want? If we could do anything, what would you guys want? And they just said community. Overwhelmingly, almost 100% just said community. I just want people in this life stage to be humans with. So I was like, great, here's 100 other young adults. And they're like, well, I'm not going to go talk to them. Like, you've, you've lost your mind. I have no idea. And it was like, oh, so there's this expectation that, the level of socialization that's going to happen is this deep, beautiful community. We're going to life together. We're going to, like, serve and grow. But we haven't been taught that. We've been taught a level of socialization that's just, here's my facade, here's my social media, here's my whatever, and that's who I am. And I don't even know how to engage you at a deeper level. So we've done a couple. So two of the weeks, we eat a full dinner, and then we break out in community groups by areas of the city. Because it's like, well, yeah, if your car breaks down or if you're out of groceries or whatever the thing is, I mean, a lot of them don't even have cars. So it's like, who could walk to your house with food? Or, or who could, like, literally come and dig you out of that snowbank? And so two of the weeks, we do that very intentionally. And so they have been really starting to, to build into those. And ideally, the long-term vision, which I wanted to be, like, six months, but apparently long-term is longer than six months, uh, is hopefully those groups will meet out of there. Like, I have no need to be like, well, the number of people that showed up on the Tuesday was this, so it's winning. If they start meeting in groups of five in their dorm rooms and across this, and again, we have professors from some of our college campus, which, by the way, PhDs at 24 is a thing, apparently. I'm like, who are you? That's amazing. But we have, we have married couples that come, not a ton, but there's a few. We have some, some of our humans that are like 24, 25, 26 that have their PhDs that teach at some of these campuses. They show up, and they sit in community groups with 18-year-olds. And it's so funny to just watch, you know, and I love our 18-year-olds, but they're just like, oh, you don't understand this test that I'm dealing with, you know, or whatever the thing is. And this other person's like, yeah, also, like, the entire trajectory of my life is what I'm going to talk about tonight. And to watch them learn how to engage that with the gospel at the center, it's just been the best thing in the world. So my long-term vision, my heart for that would be that they start to meet in areas of the city. 
But then there's always that question, well, what if somebody new shows up on a Tuesday? What do you do with them? So we'll always meet. Some of you works out um, really well just geographically in our city because it's downtown-ish. So people coming in from any part of the city can come and meet there. So even some of the groups that might normally meet off-site have just sort of agreed to continue to meet down there. So twice a month we do that, and then twice a month we do snack food because food. Uh, and, and worship, that was one of the things. We weren't doing worship every week because we're like, no, like, I don't want it to be a church service. Like, this is some young adults. Like, come sit under Brad's teaching. It's the best, right? So, uh, and they were just like, hey, can we do worship all of the weeks? And I was like, yes, yes, we can. Uh, and so our worship team, and we just talked about, well, what culture do we want? It's like, we don't want a full band. I mean, we love our musicians, but we don't want this hype, like, we're going to do Wake every week, you know, or whatever. Uh, so, yeah, like, three people like, I got you. Uh, so they just come. it's usually one person and a guitar, and it's so crazy to just hear this group of however many young adults are there that week just worshiping together and just being in pretty unashamedly because there's not a lot of music to cover their voices, right? So it's like, no, that's definitely him singing that. Uh, but they, they're just in, and they, they bring their friends, and it's it's astounding to me that a person with a guitar and they're just like I want to worship Jesus and we can do this and it's really nice because our Sundays are have to be pretty dialed right because it's like well Brad's coming in 4.27 minutes so the song's got to be done so we got to wrap this up and so young adults is just like hey who's ever leading is like we're gonna go back into this we're gonna spend some time and just like rest in this and pray in this and um, watching them choose to engage that has been pretty fantastic I don't know if that's what I was supposed to talk about Great. I think it's also probably also worth mentioning that a lot of these students, um, a ton of these students aren't coming from any sort of church background like ours. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I don't think I said that. That it, it sounds like, I mean, it could sound like, oh, these are people that want to come worship. Super churchy people. We so the, all these girls in the, on the Gonzaga soccer team, we baptized I don't know, half a dozen of them last year. Nathan, I don't know. What do you think? Half a dozen, and uh, we baptized like half a dozen of them. And I was talking with them one night at an athletic ministry thing, and they said, we had never heard music like this before. We had never heard it. We, we, they love worship because they'd never heard worship music before, ever in their lives. So these are the students we're talking about. These are people that have come in, and they're just like, we've never done this. Like, I went to Christmas and Easter Mass. That's all I've ever done before. And that's their experience. And so that's, when we talk about them worshiping, I just want to share that because I think it's, it's showing that like, there's, there's this weird thing where we're watching kids worship that they didn't grow up learning these behaviors. They're just, they're engaging this in this season, so. And it's not just all our college kids, because like Gonzaga has private schools and all the things. Like we have Air Force kids that come in from the base on Tuesday night. We have uh, UGM is our, our men's shelter that's about the same distance that Gonzaga is, the other direction. We have UGM results that come on Tuesday nights. So it's not just this like really pretty high-end, it is, yeah. So, questions? Yes.
So at Gonzaga, there's a woman named Janine Steer, and she is, I don't even know what her title is. Do you know what Janine's title is? Missy, do you know? Yeah, she's like a director of like some student services thing, and so like a student ministry type thing, like a chaplain kind of deal. Um, so a lot of schools have something like that, so Janine was the one that's there. Coaches have been a big connection for us, so having connection with different coaches um, and then administrators and different people. So part of it was just in our process of our church. By the way, this is, I always, this is tough. Um, there's a term that I like to use with church planters called groundswell, that sometimes we want to launch things and there's no groundswell. Sometimes you have to wait for the groundswell and see some things happening. And for us, I think it's important to say there was groundswell and we capitalized on the groundswell. So it wasn't like we just sat one day and said, okay, we want to do this and we have zero. Let's go do this. We had the men's rowing coach sitting on the front row. We had basketball players that were starting to show up. We had Janine inviting me to do the athletic ministry. Um, we had all these different things that kind of provided groundswell. So part of it was I think we just sort of lived consistently enough around them that we gained trust so then we could start doing those things. But our overall interaction with the university is pretty minimal based on everything you hear. I mean, it's like they love us and respect us, and we love and respect them, but there isn't a ton of, like, interplay between us. It's the students. And, and the students, when they show up, what's interesting is I don't know what college they're coming from. They come from all of these different places. I don't know where they're coming from because we're not really focused on, we're, we're on the demographic more than we are on the campus, if that makes sense. And we've located there, but, um, so I, I think that's a hard thing. To, to, for me, I guess what I'm saying is get next to it, live, live alongside of the university in a credible way, build relationships with those different influencers. There's people of influence like that. And then I think even with students, looking for those students that are the students of influence and saying, who is that person that, when they say they're going to go somewhere, there's 15 people that come with them. And just looking for those people would be where, where I would start. But it's tough because part of what, we got to, what we've gotten to do is part of just being able to look and say, this is sort of happening. I mean, as I say, that, like, we have, a weird, we have a major, like, foster and adoption thing at our church, too. Um, we stumbled on that, too, where it was like all of a sudden we realized we had all these foster parents. Nobody knew that they were there. We started gathering. We became this huge foster adopt church. But, again, it was just this groundswell of, oh, wait, this is happening, and we just sort of jumped into what was already happening in our, in our midst. And so it's just positioning yourself there, I think, in being there and waiting and praying, praying and saying, Lord, give us favor in this place and, and have a burden for it. And I think eventually God's going to open up some doors and do some things. Another question. Yes. Gonzaga. Yeah. Zags. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, and I've got friends that do this way better than I do that have been doing that longer. And so I think it's hard for me to answer fully. I, we live in a real, I mean, Washington State's, I mean, I don't know if you guys realize this, it's like maybe one of the most liberal states on the planet. On the planet? In the country. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's also on the planet, but it's a, 
It's a really liberal place, and so we do deal with uh, a pretty liberal population. And most of the students that are coming to Spokane are coming from liberal places uh, to, to be there, the, the ones that are arriving. Um, I don't, we, so I, this is going to sound offensive to some of you. Apologetics is not the way. Um, arguing, arguing with students is not the way. Standing on campuses and preaching is not the way to reach them. Um, it alienates. It creates debates. Uh, I did that stuff. I tried that in my early days of college ministry. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't, the, the fruit is so minimal. And there's like, well, it mattered to one. Well, it could have mattered to 50 if you would have changed your efforts. You know what I'm saying? Like, it drives me crazy. People go on college campuses like, but I'm going to reach the one. Well, but if you would just tweak this thing, you probably could reach hundreds. So, um, so apologetics is not it. And, and it really is the community thing and it's relationship. It's being there. It's being there in relationship with them is, is really where the credibility is gained primarily is are we in relationship with them? And then secondly, and this is also a very interesting thing, um, I started to see more college students showing up at our church, and I, I joke about this all the time, but it's a very serious thing. I did a 23-week series in the book of Leviticus, and we had atheists. I had atheists literally emailing me and telling me, thank you, because this is, this is the stuff in the Bible that keeps me from believing in Jesus, and we've needed somebody to explain it to me. And so I think part of it is the apologetic for this new generation is making sense of this ancient book that is ridiculous when you look at it from an outside perspective. And so, f- so, so I think it's the relational piece, but then I think it's being really honest about this is weird. This is weird, and I'm going to help you understand Leviticus. And they just go, yes, they love that weird stuff. Explain Leviticus to me. I've never, because they're smart enough, they can... S- if all we ever do is preach out of the Gospels, they're like, you guys are ignoring this stuff. And we went home, and we opened our Bible, and we saw this, and nobody's explaining this. So until you explain this, we're not going to trust you. And so we gain that trust by explaining the weird stuff in the Bible. Um, so I think that's probably the way I would approach the more liberal context. And I think, again, just always acknowledging, I know this is d- difficult for some of you to believe, and you struggle with this. Not everybody in the room believes this way. That's why we use that language to say, hey, this is Okay. But relationally, I think, is the big key, is just getting alongside of them. Yeah. Yes. food. I'm not joking. I mean, it, it, it honestly has been, it is always the thing. Um, food is huge. Seth? Talk about sex a lot. Yes. That's, in, in all seriousness, that's a real thing. And I opened up, so you can just get like a Google voice number that's not your phone number. And I said, we're going to talk through this series and it's going to be great. And it's literally still want to understand that themselves and their sexuality and who they are and why we don't 
can't say that's like it's part of your body. You can say it. It's fine. You know what I mean? They can teach it to sixth graders, but, but yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, those things are huge. And and so he wanted one of the things uh, Nathan Carr wants to tackle. One of the things he does, he does a ton of his work on site at the hospital. Like he just sits in a coffee shop and talks to people. Like just be be in their world. Don't say like how come nobody's coming to my church? And it's just like, well, I'm gonna. Where are you guys? Well, that's where I'm gonna be. Oh, you don't come to my office to have a meeting? Like, where are you? Oh, you're on campus and without a car? Gosh, I could probably come to you and bring you food or whatever. Yeah, don't be extractional, right? We're not trying to pull them out of that environment. And that, and I think that's, I mean, that's one of the interesting things for us is, we guys, we didn't do a whole lot other than like move a location that was more convenient for them to get to. So part of it is just absolute convenience. They, for them, it's convenient. So think about what's convenient for the college student that I want to reach. And, and, and see it through their lens. I think that's huge because all of a sudden the numbers quadruple for us when we put a location that's centralized that they can actually get to. Um, yeah. No. So the campus that we're launching in the fall, um, the person that's leading that, that's our lead pastor for that location, um, that pastor, his name is John Pemberton, he is um, heavily involved with crew on that campus. And so he's a regular face in crew. And so all the crew students know him, all the leaders know him. And so he's been really active in that for four years, which is part of what's led to this is there's all these students and there's this connection, this place where they need to connect with the church. And so um, so that is, so the Gonzaga one, it, it's the athletic ministry with me is all that it is. There isn't anything besides that. Um, yeah, there's Young Life. And so we kind of do some stuff with them. But yeah, so it's, yeah. But, that, but the Crusade one is the, is the one that John is actually really involved there. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, oh, absolutely. In fact, some of, we've got some great church planters right now that are coming. They've been, they've been IVP, they've been our university people um, 
you know, the, the, I think this, this is my opinion, and not, this is not the, the, effect, the expressed opinion of Foursquare. Um, I, don't, I don't lead with my Pentecostal theology. I lead with the gospel. And so when I, when I lead with the gospel and I'm letting people know what I'm concerned about, the, to me, uh, speaking in tongues is such a, it's, it's so far down the path for me. I'm not, I need these students to know who Jesus is and to trust the gospel. And so once, I, once we ex- can express that, anytime you can express that to anybody, and, and by the way, I grew up in, I grew up in a, I grew up Southern Baptist, uh, which explains why I had a faith crisis in college. Uh, <laughs> Um, but then started my ministry years in, in the Baptist world. Um, uh, I grew up in an environment where Charismatic Chaos by John MacArthur was on my dad's bookshelf. Um, so I grew up in that. So I, that world for me is very familiar. Um, I know the, fear, the fears that come, the deep-rooted fears of, like, what, where that's rooted. Most leaders on campuses today, they aren't that concerned. That's some sort of theological thing. Just like the people that see it on our licensing process, and they're like, do you speak in tongues? Uh, not yet, but I'd like to. You know, it's like that whole, they have that same other side the other way. Um, so to me, it's just don't lead, with the, don't lead with Pentecostal theology. I think if they ask about our Pentecostal theology, for me, I, I try to tell people, Pentecostal theology is not something that's an expression in a, in a service. It's empowerment for ministry in everyday life. And when they start hearing that, that my, my, my pneumatology is about the way I'm living the gospel out in my community, not what I'm doing in a service, they go, okay, yeah, no, you're good. So just explaining some of those things to them, helping them get some language for it. Yeah, 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 mildly costal is what I say. Yeah, mildly costal, not wildly costal. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Can I see that piece of paper you're referencing? <laughs> oh, well. Well, so here's so here's what's interesting about this. I didn't. I'm not the one that put this here. Um, and I don't know why someone's charging for Alpha because the resources are free online. So I don't know what that is. Um, but. Uh, but interesting, but, inter- but interesting that you bring that up because, um, no, we're not doing that with, this, with our young adults specifically, but you just asked the person who is, like, probably the most excited about Alpha as anybody in the room. Like, I, I, l- I, uh, I, I am, um, I love Alpha. Uh, we, we've been running Alpha. We've run it, I think, six, seven times now. We've had 800 people go through Alpha. Um, it is phenomenal, and the, it, it's phenomenal on so many levels because the community thing that Seth was talking about, it hits that. It hits it huge. We have people that sign up for Alpha, and we, our Alpha is open to everybody, and so, yes, we do get young adults that attend. It's a span of ages, um, so they're all invited. It's because, we're, again, we're multi-generational. Um, but we have people that literally sit down at a table. We had this happen this last Alpha. We had people that said, Outside of sitting with my mom at a table, I've never eaten a meal with another person. That's real. Raised in a single home, only ever ate with their mom, 
never sat. And we, we, that's not just one story. We have dozens of stories of people who said, people that say it's been 10 years since I ate a meal with anyone else. So Alpha does that, which is just like, oh my gosh, come eat a meal together. But then the way the questions are posed, those of you that are familiar with the old Alpha, the cartoony Nikki Gumbel, Nikki Gumbel's still part of it, but the cartoony version, because I used that in my first church plant in the early 2000s. Um, it is completely revamped, and it is so incredibly, like, pinpoint relevant to college students. And also, just, I mean, it's gonna, I'm, I feel like I'm doing an infomercial right now. It is the only sort of discipleship pathway, um, sort of basics, fundamentals of Christianity material out there that, that is incredibly inclusive of skeptics and teaches the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Four weeks on the baptism of the Holy Spirit done in a way that, like, nothing else I've ever come across. So um, for a guy that grew up Baptist, that's a pretty, pretty cool resource to go, oh, yeah, this is really helpful for, for, you know, those other people that I reach that are like me that don't understand this, to have somebody else explain it other than just me. So I um, hope that makes sense. But I love Alpha. Go for it. Can I throw up one thing with that? Yeah. If you can, if you, I don't know what the transportation situation is, I would encourage them to be a part of a church Alpha, if that's a thing your church is doing. That's, that's a thing we do with all of our young people. Like, we love that you guys come here Tuesday night, but this is some example. And, like, we're a part of a church. We're part of a family. So if we can get them to sit at a table with 11 other people that are across the spectrum on, on our generation, oh, my goodness, yes, please be part of the body, not just part of what we do as individuals, if that's a real thing. Yeah. Right. That's awesome. Right. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Let me, let me just, I don't want to piggyback on something Seth just said. We are intentionally trying to connect these students to a church. Um, that, that's part of my experience with college ministry over the years is that um, I want them to be grounded in a church. Even when we send them, I want them to be sent with a sense of, I want to find another church. I want to be a part of something like this. So one of my, one of my the sad moment is when the student comes and says, hey, I'm graduating and I got to move, but will you help me? And I love, I just tell them, email me. Here's my email address. Just email me. Let's talk about where you're going to get plugged in next. I, I love that conversation. But it's, all, I mean, it's sad, but I love it because it's like they've had such an encounter at our church that they want to find another church. So I think that's really important that we are trying to connect them to the church. I came and spoke a few weeks ago at our, at our young adults ministry. Part of that is I just want to make sure that there's that connection, that they, have, that they know that they're not just, Seth, Seth isn't the only point of contact, you know. 60, I'm, I'm trying to get my dad to come hang out with our young adults. Because our young adults are like, where's the people that are ahead of us? It's not just like, oh, I'm not cool and relevant. They don't want me there. It's like, we are hungry. They would love This generation's you. weird. Invited to somebody's house. Yeah. They don't know how to talk to you, so they don't know how to tell you that. Like, that's a real thing. They could text it to you. Uh, yeah. It's about you. Listen, yeah. Yeah. Yes. I see you. Yeah. 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 Y
Instagram. Instagram. Nathan, what else did we do? Uh, we talked about it. We, we announced it publicly. We talked about it. We did Instagram stuff on it. That was our promotion. It, was, it wasn't, I mean, I wish I had like some silver bullet solution. It was just, we just talked about, hey, we're doing this and let's go do it. It's very organic. I mean, I think that's part of it is just very organic of like, hey, let's go do this thing. So that's what we, we, we just said, hey, we're doing it. And so that, that goes to a whole other thing though, and that's that we don't want people to come to our church. We don't promote outside of our community uh, of, of committed people because like we don't even put our service times on our buildings um, where we meet at Summit U, there's only a sign-out on Sundays. And part of it is we don't want people to come to Summit because they saw it on a billboard or they saw it in an advertisement because most of the people that are going to come are coming from other churches if they do that. So we have a thing where even like our, our main building, our main facility, it just says Summit on it. It doesn't even say Summit Church on it because we want people to come because they were invited by somebody. And so even if you go to our website, um, we did change it so you can find the service times, but a while ago... The service times were so buried, you couldn't even find them on our website because we just don't want people coming to church based on an advertisement. We want them coming already connected in community because I can't disciple somebody that's coming to a stadium event. I can disciple somebody who's coming in relationship. And so, so when it comes to promotion, I think I'm just explaining verbally processing why we don't promote. We didn't put billboards up. We didn't put signs up because we just want our community. We want it to all be relational, inviting, you know, if that makes sense. So, yeah. One more question? Yes. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Talk about at young adults specifically? Yeah. Yeah, I have a really uh, uh, solution for that. Where, uh, no, essentially, man, we, people, there are people who showed up that wanted to serve that are very actively like, hey, how can I be of service? And then we have, it's funny, because the stage there is about this tall, so you're just like, hi, you know, and you're about this far away from people. Uh, and so it's, I, we invite them into this isn't a thing you're showing up to have me talk at you. We're going to follow Jesus together and practice the way of Jesus together because that's all I know how to do, and I'm still learning that. So come learn it with us. And so the leadership team, it's either you see, I mean, you know, there's people that you identify, and uh, and then there's people that you're just like, hey, here's what we do. Do you guys love food every week? Like, yes. We need someone to help shop. We'll help fund it, but I can't shop every week. And they're like, well, I can do that. Oh, hey, those tables get put out every week. How does that happen? Oh, could you guys help? Yeah, I just didn't know. So really, I mean, it's pretty organic. And again, some people have stepped up, and especially in the discipleship piece, there are people that are like, no, I am seeking more, and we've been able to connect them with some mentors that have that side of it. Um, so a lot, probably even 80% is self-identified, and then the other 20 is like, hey, I see this in you, and then we call them up uh, to kind of that next level. Um, and, you know, and I just want to say one more thing about this, and that's that if you're a senior pastor and you want to be reaching college students, I don't know who all's in the room, you have to be committed to spending money and giving resource to this. And so, so the answer to that question in some sense is you have to hire people. 
and you have to get space, and you have to buy food. You have to invest. If you, it's, college ministry takes an investment, and there's no return on that investment. I mean, I jokingly say this all the time, but 20, you know, 18 to 22-year-olds are some of the most selfish people on the planet. It's like, I always say a f- college freshman boy is more like a junior high boy than he is like a high school senior. I don't know if you've noticed that, but like they revert to junior high. You got to tell them to change their underwear, right, Aaron? You got to do all these things. But um, they, the, the, there's so little return in the, in the immediate return, but it, it requires an investment. You have to sacrifice. Somebody has to say, we're going to not do other things to do this. And we're going to spend money and we're going to take risks. We're going to do those things. You have to. It doesn't just happen. I mean, that's the thing is this doesn't, we aren't here because we just said, hey, let's try to do this and not spend money. No, we, we, we've gotten, we were, yeah, we took some huge risks to make this happen. I said last night, we literally, I think we had $5,000 in our checking account. Uh, we, our weekly budget is $40,000, $50,000 a week. We had $5,000 in our budget or in our checking account and no savings the day that we launched our location at Summit U. That, don't tell people in the denominational leadership the specifics of that. But that's the, that's the point where we were at. We're like, we've got to do this. And I know we don't have the money, but we're just going to believe that there's going to be enough that comes in next week. We'll pay, do payroll. We'll make this thing happen. But it's just a sacrifice. We just said, okay, we got to do this thing. And, um, yeah, so there's just I just want to emphasize that, that when it comes to that, you just got to make a decision and say, we're going to sacrifice and we're going to spend money to make college ministry happen. Yeah. Can we just thank Brad and Seth? Um, but Seth, Seth, I don't want you to go too far. Can you stay up here? I want you to pray for us before we um, leave. Um, and I just want to draw your attention to just a couple things. My name is Janelle, first of all, Ebovin, and I serve at Harvard University. Um, and it is wonderful. I mean, talk about, you know, a secular place, but at the same time, I mean, we have to sign a non-proselytizing agreement, um, but at the same time, Jesus never did that, so it is, it's a wonderful opportunity, um, but I also want to highlight, Tammy Jones is here from the Gateway District. She does Next Gen there, um, and then also Alexandra, who's, um, <laughs> she is also part of our campus ministry network, and she works with international students, so if you um, have a heart, and you are a pastor that has a lot um, of international students, she is a gold mine. Her and her husband have a great ministry in Texas, and she would love to be around to talk with you. And then, of course, Aaron Friesen at um, U of O. Go Ducks. Um, wah, wah. Uh, just kidding. So much love. Um, but we're here to serve you, and Sue Spousta just wanted to extend. We have your information, but we will give you an invitation. If you want to be a part of this network, um, we would love to have you, um, and Foursquare um, is really trying to resource pastors and um, young adult next-gen leaders um, in how to reach your campus ministry. But before we go, could we just do one thing? Take the next 30 seconds, and can you write down, either in your Bible or somewhere that you go to on your phone, a ca- college campus in your area? or two, or three, and if you don't know a college campus in your area, Google it right now, and I want you to write down, because we're going to pray for our college campuses. Actually, Seth's going to pray, okay? Um, You guys, the time is now. It's now, okay? And God has put you exactly where he's put you, because you're you, Um, and there are young people that need you, and so that's what we're going to pray for. So, Ten more seconds. Seth, would you pray for us? Yeah, thank you.
I, so I'm not a big like, oh, God just gave me this word, and I'm going to say that has just never been who I am. I, but it feels like there is, there are humans here that you are just believing that this isn't for you. Like the second that you said you are here for a reason because God has called you to it, there's not an age, gender, there is nothing that is separating you from God's people, from these, these young adults that are just desperate to be mentored, to be discipled, to be shown the heart and character of Jesus. So I just want to pray that over us. Uh, Father God, Lord Jesus, we, I just lift up everyone that's in this room, Lord God, in their hearts for their campuses and their cities and the students. Lord, would you speak to their hearts if there is any lie that we are believing today about our, our lack of eligibility or our lack of talent or placement? God, would you just destroy those? Lord Jesus, we just speak truth to every person's heart. God, and we lift up the campuses in their cities. We lift up those young adults that are hurting, that are lost, that are desperately seeking meaning, that are desperately seeking more. Jesus, I pray that you would speak hope, you would speak life to every person that's in this room and that you would, you would let us carry that home. Holy Spirit, that it wouldn't be us trying harder. It wouldn't be us implementing the, the coolest solutions. Lord God, that we would be on our knees in desperation for our cities and our students and our campuses and that Holy Spirit, you would move. Father, we just continue to pray that you would do it again, that you would do it again. You would redeem, you would renew, you would restore, and you would sweep through our campuses and our young people. Jesus, we love you. We ask this in your name.